Hey, welcome back to Giovanni Andrew's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. Uh, wow. <sighs> Took a lot to uh, not breathe directly on the mic. I don't know if you can hear it, but I breathe breathe off to the side. Oh man, this is horrible. I should uh, I should re-record this, but uh, there's no time. It's seven o'clock, and I got to gotta get this done, man. I got a lot to talk about. Oh my god, dude, I have so much to talk about. I'm going to do my best to keep this fresh, interesting, and not boring. But first, let's talk about some more. Because I got a lot of things to say about movies, okay? I got a lot. But um, we're going to hold off. Alright, some more. Two things. One, I just went to Pittsburgh for the first time. Um, I live in Pennsylvania, so it was not a very long drive. But it was a great drive. Man, I haven't had a drive like that in a while. I don't know if you can hear. It's um, not very nice outside. It's thundery. But I hope that doesn't come through on the recording. It probably won't. Um, but it shouldn't be too bad. I mean, I'm like it's going to be constant. But anyway, just so you know, that's me. That's not you. Wherever you're listening to this. Um, shoot, I just breathed. Dang it. I need to get an actual mic. This is horrible. I feel like I'm going to recommend to anyone who listens, don't listen to the first three to however many episodes I do until I actually get a mic. Um, okay, so, Pittsburgh. I really liked it. Man, did I? I really, really liked it. I'm a, oh man, I'm a huge city geek. I absolutely adore them. And uh, I was actually, at one point, this podcast was going to be a podcast called, shit, what was it going to be called? Urbanography, I think? So, like, biography and urban, put them together. Uh, It was going to be every episode I would, like, cover the history um, until, like, the modern day of a different city. So, like, New York, Philly, Boston, Pittsburgh probably would have been there. And uh, it wouldn't have just been American, either. It could have been, like, international stuff, too. But I don't really feel like doing that much research or homework, especially during the summer. <gasps> I feel out of breath for some reason. But I don't want to breathe. I don't want to breathe. Because, oh, man, there's nothing more obnoxious. I've never heard an actually professional podcast that just, like, hacks all over the mic like a fucking asshole. Anyway, Pittsburgh was really, really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I, like I said, never been there before. I still think I like it better than, or sorry, I still think I like Philly better, but that's probably just because I've been going there since I was a little kid, and uh, it's just more near and dear to my heart. So is Harrisburg, but I mean, in terms of actually the amount of fun you will have being there, I think for me, it's Philly, then Pittsburgh, then Harrisburg. In terms of like, what you would consider major metropolises in Pennsylvania. Am I missing any? I mean, I guess, like, um, Scranton? But, like, no one wants to go to Scranton. Unless you're, like, interested in the office. But even then, don't go to Scranton. Uh, so we saw the Andy Warhol Museum. The Warhol. Not a fan. Uh, that drastically changed my opinion of Andy Warhol. Also, the museum sucked. I mean, I don't know if this is a popular opinion or not, but it was sterile, it was cold, it was creepy. Fucking hated it. I had the heebie-jeebies the whole time. I just wanted to get out of there. And then when we got back out and it was, like, sunny and hot, and I was like, oh, my God. Wow, I've never been so glad to be hot in my entire life. I hate the heat, but, mm, 
That was just weird. I did not like it. Um, what else did we see? We saw, we didn't actually do the Duquesne Incline. We did the Monahiga or whatever. We did that. That was really pretty. Great view. Great pictures. I'm not a big picture person, but that was a good place to take them. Uh, actually, real quick tangent. I, I don't like being in pictures. I think that's my problem. And I also don't like looking like a tourist. I, oh God, I hate tourists. Uh, and I don't like to appear to be one, even when I am. I do my best to fit in and acclimate as quickly as possible and to the best of my ability. Um, I'm a guy who absolutely fucking loves public transportation. I am gaga for public transportation. Uh, especially subways, um, and L's, and light rails, whatever, you name it, I'll take it. But, um, I do my best to look as angry as I can, because I feel like everyone looks, like, depressed or angry while they're on anything. MTA, CTA, uh, MARTA, whatever one, it doesn't really matter. And they always look so horribly depressed. Uh, which I guess I don't necessarily blame them. That's pro- probably does suck if you have to use it every day. Um, but yeah, for me, it's an absolute treat. But I try to make it look like it's the worst thing ever. So that's that's a big part of my routine. I also, a lot of times where I live, you know, if you see someone in the street, you acknowledge them, you say hi, you actually look at them. Uh, no, don't do that in the city. I always just look straight forward. You can probably tell that I don't live in a city, not, at least not anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know. It's funny, it sucks. It's not where I want to be, but that's where I am. Hey, shh, be quiet. I feel out of breath still, bud. How do I sound? I wish you could talk. I'm talking to my dog, by the way, in case you're wondering. He's trying to get out. Why do you want out? What are you going to do out there, huh? I got a podcast to record. Be quiet. Okay, uh, what else do we do? Cathedral of Learning, that was really cool. Uh, I got a little bit boring of walking into rooms after a while, but it was really, really fun. Uh, it was definitely a highlight. It t- takes your breath away when you walk in there. Also, shocked there was no security checkpoint. Like, when we walked in, I ins- instinctually took my backpack off my shoulders. Didn't need to, apparently. Um... Shoot, how did you forget so quickly? What did we do? I have pictures of all of all of it. That's not true. I have pictures of virtually none of it. Um We did a lot of walking around, uh we, we stayed in the south side. We did a lot of walking around. That was really fun. Especially so it was just the fourth of July. Happy fourth of July to any of you not in America. Uh fuck your British tea. But uh, but we we stayed in the south side, which was really fun. It was really lively, and uh, shh, go lay down, go to sleep, stop growling. You're growling at a door. Frustrating. Oh crap! I'm gonna have to stop the recording. I feel like I should cut this out, but maybe it's interesting. I don't really know. Maybe it's funny. I like to let you guys into my life. I, my dog is almost always here, but he's not always being bad. So I think it's kind of. A highlight when he's doing something interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, on the 4th, crazy crowds of drunk people. People just making out on the street. Um, I was walking around totally by myself. And uh, wow, did that feel awesome. I love when people are going crazy. The fireworks, oh my god. It was like, um, it was like 
the renaissance of people going crazy. There was just like, it was like there was a spawn point for people going crazy. We were standing watching over a bridge and, uh, man, it was nuts. It was, it was crazy. What, like, these people were just like smoking and like they had dogs and the dogs were going at each other. They're climbing up on scaffolding. There's this building under construction. And they're trying to take the dog like complete fucking idiots. You're like lifting this dog. And this dog's like, mm-mm, nope. Uh, not having it. But it was really cool to like look over. And it was like fireworks valley, man. I don't know what's going on. But um, south, southwestern Pennsylvania. Or northwestern Pennsylvania. Um, like so many fireworks just people lighting them off all over the place while we were waiting for the like the actual ones like at point state park oh we did point state park that was really fun that was a lot of fun that was really really cool um it was really pretty i liked it a lot uh we walked around fifth avenue sorry it's all of a, all of a sudden coming to me all the things that we did um anyway we 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 were just kind of looking at other like fireworks shows while we were waiting for the big one to begin and that was really really cool i've never seen that happen before and then like when they went off it was so close to the city it's reflecting off the buildings and that was so cool and all the buildings were lit up red white and blue uh the upmc building and they they all were actually all the biggest skyscrapers were except for the the one bank that one bank wasn't but uh but yeah it was really really cool i wonder so we we took a lot of ubers and, um, the one dude said he used to live in Boston, but he lives here now. And he said we should have gone to Boston if we wanted to see fireworks. Apparently it gets crazy down there. I don't know, man. It was pretty crazy where we were, but, uh, we were actually planning on going to Boston this year, hopefully. So we'll see how that goes. Um, okay. And then my one more more is, uh, meeting random people and having like, oh shit, hold on real quick. Before I get out of Pittsburgh mode, so fourth, it's the 4th of July night, uh, it's, it's late, but it's not that late, we're, so there's like maybe an hour until the fireworks, and we left 45 minutes before they started, so we could get like, you know, a good, a good place to watch, and, uh, and this, so we're just sitting there watching TV, and this woman, without knocking, comes from upstairs, we're in an Airbnb, so we're in some random person's apartment, comes from upstairs, no knocking, walks right into our fucking living room. Hey, does anyone have a charger? We're all like, what the hell? Uh, and she's like, uh, I, no, I just need, I'm so sorry, I don't want to be annoying, but I need a charger. And we're like, actually, I was like, what, what kind of charger? And, um, and she was like, iPhone. And I was like, oh, shit, what do I do? Do I lie and say I have an Android, but I do have an iPhone, and it's sitting right there? But is she drunk enough that she's not going to see it? I don't fucking know. So I went over and, like, looked for it and eventually, and I was like, I have no idea where this goddamn charger is. And then I just kind of pretended to look around a little more, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, I can't find it. And she's like, ah, it's fine, it's fine. And um, we are like, uh, we'll, we'll good luck with that, and then she leaves, we lock the door, like, as many times as we could, only one time, but as, it was with a lot of purpose that we locked that door, uh, that was crazy, man, that was whack, she was definitely drunk, and we called the owner of that apartment to, like, let him know, 
see maybe he knew her or something and he was drunk too that was hilarious but hey what are you doing bud i'm gonna put you on the table that'd be hilarious just lay down be a good boy huh you lay down come on be good and i'll give you a cookie after this uh all right so meeting random people and like kind of having a weird experience of hospitality is one of my favorite things in the world i realized this recently the other day i was with one of my she's an aunt she's one of those like aunts but not really she's not like related by blood but like enough of a friend that we just kind of call her my aunt and uh she is from like upstate pennsylvania so like very secluded this like the smallest of small towns and her parents still live up there. They live, like, even smaller small towns. So they live literally in the middle of the woods. And they have, like, a an auto shop. But they work on motorcycles. And so we drive down the super long driveway. It's 50 minutes away from her house. And we're going back to her house later that night. Because we were going to watch Stranger Things. Which we did, and I'll talk about it. Um, and then we get to their shop. And then we just walk in. And, uh... We start talking to their parents, and I just kind of, like, fell in with her mom and her dad and hearing their stories about, like, um, all the auto bikes they've been fixing and how they do it, and, and like, they're showing me around the shop, and they're showing me what everything is, and, and like, they have some toys from when they were kids of motorcycles and stuff, and it's, like, really cool, and I was thinking about, man, how much I love when random people just, like, invite you into their homes. I mean... It wasn't random, like, related by blood to a person that I, you know, might as well be related to. But, I mean, it's still really, like, it's still a weird situation. But it's really cool, and I love when that happens. So, I know there are, including that one, there's, like, three recent examples. I couldn't think of the one, but uh, I was at a graduation party for one of my friend's scissors. Uh, We're both, like, uh, he's 15, I think, and... um, so we're about the same age, and I'm 14, by the way, in case you're wondering. Uh, so she's, like, 18 now, and she's, she just graduated this year. And so we have a bunch of people over, and eventually they start to leave, but he told me I could stay for dinner, so that's what I was doing. And his mom's cleaning up, and she calls us up from the basement, and she's like, Hey, um, this dude really liked this tea that I got, but no one else really drank it. Will you go over and take it to him? And they still live in the neighborhood. And it's like a nice summer day. It's the very beginning of the summer vacation. And um, we just walked over to these people's house. They're having their own little cookout. And um, they just invited us in. Like it was absolutely nothing. They know him. They don't know me. But they invited us in. They gave us both food. Um, They let let us feed their cats. Like it was the weirdest thing. But it was so fun. And I, I love, like that's just so random and weird. But... And I mean, that's maybe one of the only things you can't necessarily get in a city that's more of a small town thing. But I don't know, that was really awesome. And um, I don't know, it's it's a great story. It's really, really cool. I wish I could remember the other example that I had. But I don't know, that one sticks out in my mind just because of how like weirdly familiar we got those people. And I I can't even tell you their names. Um... This isn't the other example, but even that that night, um, one of the people that was there was like, hey, feel free to go in our pool. They have like a kiddie pool. I'm assuming they have really little kids, but the kids weren't there. They were somewhere else. 
And this woman was at the party, and she was like, hey, you guys can go in our pool. She doesn't know who, she, again, she knows him, but she doesn't know me. And that's so weird that someone would offer that. But we took her up on the offer, and we're just sitting there like absolute children. We're, I mean, if we had actually laid down in the pool, we probably would have touched head to toe, like, end to end of the pool. It was that small. But, like, we're just, like, shooting each other with water guns, and I don't know. It was just, all of our other friends are looking at us like, you are fucking ridiculous. Also, we're all girls and kind of jealous because it's really hot, but you don't have any swimsuits that'll fit us. Uh, But it was really, it was really fun and just, like, so weird. God, I can't, I wish I could remember the other thing, but I don't know. That's a weird, that's a weird and random thing that doesn't happen that often that I absolutely love. All right. I just breathe off the side again. My dog's still staring at me. I don't know what he wants. I know he wants out. He's trapped. I trapped him in. But, like, otherwise it's just going to antagonize his brother. We don't need that going on. What? If you didn't get into fights with Rocco, then I wouldn't have to keep you in here. Like a prisoner. Ooh, you hear the thunder? You're okay, buddy. Alright. It's time for some movies. Um... Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. I bet as soon as I stop recording and I publish this episode, it's going to be like, oh, it was that damn time. Oh, I can't remember, though. Did I know when I was with my parents, maybe? Fuck it. Okay. I was talking about Spider-Man a lot last time. A lot, a lot. I haven't seen any new horror movies, by the way, uh, since... Oh, I did watch a little bit of Dead to Me with my, my mom and my um, unofficial aunt, which is like this new, sh- I don't know if it's new, I think it's new on Netflix, um, where like this woman goes to this grief group because her f- husband just got killed in a hit and run, and then she meets this girl and they start becoming friends, but she doesn't know that that girl killed her husband by accident, um... Yeah, it's it's really intriguing. I didn't, my mom finished it the other night. I didn't watch the final five episodes, but from what I saw, I really really liked it. I thought it was it was a really cool show. Relentlessly depressing a lot, but um, and it definitely followed a formula. Like it had a really simple structure, which was like every episode kind of added an additional wrinkle to like the conflict. But I thought that was actually really really cool, and that's a good way to structure a show where it's. It's sort of like combining the freak of the week with the big bad, kind of like those structures of long-form TV storytelling, and I thought that was really cool, because the big bad is kind of just the general trauma and, like, suspense of the sh- of the premise, um, but that's inherent, so then everything additional is, that's what makes it interesting, that's what makes it juicy, and it's really, really, <laughs> I shouldn't have used that word, but that's, uh, that's really cool, so... Yeah, I like that. I would recommend that. I might finish it up, but uh, I was talking about Spider-Man a lot, and I was telling you about how I was apprehensively excited. I think that's the perfect, I think that's a pretty, pretty apt description of where, I, where my head was at going into Far From Home. And I gotta tell you, oh shit, first of all, I gotta talk about uh, how I thought after watching Homecoming again. I still like it. I just don't like it as much as I used to. I will say this one thing. I was struck immediately by something I had completely forgotten about in two years since I... It hasn't been two years since I watched it, but in in the year or so since I watched it. Um, something I was totally struck with was 
good villain. Uh, I forgot about that. I think, so I said about how I wasn't crazy about Doc Ock in um, Spider-Man 2. Obviously, Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man, and uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Those are some pretty biffed Spider-Man villains. So I think it was, um, it was a, it was definitely a breath of fresh air, not just for the MCU in general, but especially for Spider-Man movies to actually have a well-done, uh, villain, like a good representation of a villain from the comics. I really appreciate that, and it sucks that I forgot it, and I, I really like him. I think, retroactively, he's my favorite part of the movie now, which is interesting, because... Once again, uh, in not to spoil too much, but in Far From Home, Mysterio is my favorite part as well. Uh, so, yeah, but man, I gotta tell you, I was getting annoyed as fuck. I was losing my mind. Every time Iron Man was brought up or showed up or Happy was there or something about the goddamn Avengers, I was so... Oh, man, I was so over it. I mean, once that... Like, I don't know, once that becomes apparent to you, it's it's insane. And um, I realized, I was thinking about that whole lack of consequences thing, and I think it's a really interesting point, and especially in the High Top video, it's very well made. It's sort of the crux of his argument about why he thinks that movie is a bad representation of Spider-Man. And I think the more I think about it, and the more I've watched that movie, the more I really agree with him. And, um... He just released a video literally today, a couple hours before I'm recording this, that outlined why he didn't particularly like Far From Home either. And I don't want to sound like High Top Films is, you know, the Bible by which I pray by, but that's not what it is at all. I just think it's interesting that we have very similar opinions about Spider-Man and that he's sort of turned mine. Because sometimes when you're a fan of something, to a certain degree, hype can overpower common sense. I know for, to a certain degree, that was true of Batman versus Superman, and I talked about that last episode. Um, and with this, I think it's a bit of the same thing. I know for a while there, especially right after it came out, I wouldn't hear a bad word said about this movie. And it, it took a while for me to think like, okay, I really like this, and I want to hear an opposing point of view. And it turned out, when I really thought about it, that I agree with it. I think it's very well made. And I don't really know how you could objectively um, disagree. And I'm, I was really thinking about it, and I was like, damn. Even as far back as I watch honest trailers from time to time, because I think they can be funny at times, they bring that up. They bring that up in the Spider-Man Homecoming one. And I think that was made way before the High Top video. I'm almost positive. And I was like, well, fuck. That came up before, and I guess it's just that that's more of a joke and that versus an academically outlined point. So I didn't really consider it that much. But yeah, they're absolutely right. And I guess that he's not the only one that thinks that. And I think that's really interesting. Because you don't hear it brought up a lot. I think Homecoming is, by and large, a very positively reviewed film. And, to my utter shock and disappointment, so is this movie. Um, but, this movie being far from home. So, Spider-Man Homecoming, in conclusion, I think it's uh, it's pretty okay. And I love the high school stuff. And I love the villain. 
but in terms of its reliance on Iron Man, it's, mm, I don't know, I don't like that element of it. Fucking this movie, though, makes Far From Home look like goddamn Spider-Verse. I mean, it's Oscar-worthy almost compared to Far From Home. I was unfathomably disappointed with Far From Home. And the more I think about it and the more I, like, dwell on it, oh, man, I just, I'm not going to say hate, but I just, it just unravels for me more and more. In the theater, I know I was not having the best time. I was really hoping that this movie would be really good. And from the beginning, I actually thought it really would be. It was it was really funny. It was an interesting look at, at the, out, the aftermath of Endgame. And while it does suck that, that like... The gravitas of Endgame was sort of sucked away. I mean, I don't know. That's a big part of pop culture. I mean, think of any big moment in the movie. I mean, it's probably been spoofed. I mean, the I Am Your Father reveal, like, Psycho, the shower scene. Um, oh, man, I'm trying to think of other events. I don't know. Those were the two that strung the mind. But, like... Big things, big twists or events in pop culture cinema. I mean, that stuff gets, you know, it gets read on death. They're crying about um, about the fact that they're about to die in Blair Witch. Like, that stuff has been spoofed and joked about to death. And, like, sometimes people know the spoofs better than they even actually know the, the legitimate moment. So I think that it's... I don't know. It's weird that it's actually in another movie in this series. But, I don't know. It didn't bother me. And then, oh, man. I don't know. I just kept getting so let down. Full, oh, shit. Okay, I didn't actually say what happens, but um, full spoilers. Shit, I should have I said that. Um, God damn it. So I, even at first, he's um he he doesn't want to bring his suit. He's kind of getting overwhelmed at the press conference. Uh, a lot of that stuff, the way it was done, I thought it was really good. His plan with MJ, I thought all of that was really interesting. I I'm not a huge fan of how May reacts to uh, to Peter's secret being revealed to her. I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting direction to take it in. And I think it's really cool that if he's sort of con- more concerned with helping the neighborhood, and that's sort of the point of the first movie, which we'll get into that in a bit, um, the the lessons that he's learning throughout these movies, that that we'll put a pin in that. But um, I think it's very interesting that if he's looking out for a neighbor for the neighborhood, this is an aspect of looking out for the neighborhood that's never really been touched on before. Is him talking to people, hearing their problems you know, showing up at fundraisers. I realize only one of those three things actually happens. But theoretically, that's what he's doing there. Oh, god damn, though. Immediately, the emphasis is on Iron Man. Immediately. God. I think it'd be hilarious if they should just, they should just like, release this movie. No trailers, no build-up, no poster, no nothing. They just release it, like, next Friday, right? And it's just a movie about a random character you've never heard of before. 
like that Black Widow knew and like Black Widow was her hero and <laughs> I don't know why that suddenly came up. Actually, I do. It was meant to make a point. I think one of the biggest problems with this movie is immediately it's over-reliance on Iron Man and Peter's relationship. I'm not sure like what I did to talk about this in the last episode, but I think that the movies pay way greater a service to this um to to Tony and Peter's relationship than it actually deserves. Now, one of my friends made a really great point the other day when we were kind of arguing about this, and he said that he's only he's the only sort of father figure that Peter's ever had, or or like he's the figure that Peter needs, I guess is more than what he was saying, and that it makes sense that him having to lose that would suck. And you know what? He's right. But in my opinion, from my point of view, especially rewatching Homecoming, he just gives him stuff. He's sort of I don't know, he's almost a glorified sugar daddy. I mean, he just gives him high-tech stuff. He gives him, like, stuff that would cost, you know, millions of dollars. And, but other than that, he basically shits on him, except for when he stops the plane, or stops the heist. He doesn't stop the plane in the slightest. But um, when he stops the heist at the end of Homecoming... And when he dies and when he comes back. Those are the only meaningful moments I think they ever actually share. Because the rest of the time, he's either chewing him out or he's making fun of him. And most of the time, he's doing both. And I don't think that's a good way to build a meaningful relationship. Maybe the first scene of Civil War, where Peter is... He really feels down on his luck. And he kind of does the great power but with great responsibility speech. But he doesn't say it directly, but it's heavily... in. Up, Sorry, I have so much I want to say. It's heavily implied that's what he's referring to when he says, when you can do the things that I can but you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. That sounds like a twist on great power comes great responsibility, right? And like just the the dreariness and the sort of melancholy spirit of that scene in Civil War, him and Tony in the bedroom. Oh God, that sounded so sexy no but but him and tony when they're talking about the potential of peter working with tony that's what i meant to say that scene is so good and i understand why i was so excited about this peter parker at a certain point because it's amazing how much we learn about him in such a short period of time we earn we learn his moral compass and we learn how awkward he is and we learn like what kind of position he's at in his life And all these very important things to set up a very well-rounded and surprisingly shaded character for, like, less than ten minutes of screen time. Granted, I know that's part of that is because Tony's questioning him. This scene is designed to teach us things because it's teaching Tony things as well. But I still think that doesn't detract from the fact that in, in like, a few minutes, we, we learn a lot about what makes this version of Peter Parker tick. But I think that's almost immediately abandoned. Sure, he's really excited, and sure, he's happy to be there. And a lot of that movie plays to his excitement about finally joining in with the big leagues. But I think that happy-go-lucky thing that he's got going on is not the type of Peter that we see in Civil War. I think at first... He he seems a lot more responsible. He has the whole thing about, I can't just drop out of school. Um, 
and like I got homework and he's got the whole if you can do the things that I can the whole thing I just said and he's really trying to hide it from Tony he he doesn't seem to he obviously doesn't want her to know he doesn't want Aunt May to know and he doesn't want Tony to know his secret and it there's a tone and there's um I think melancholy was the perfect encapsulation I think that's in a lot of ways exactly what Spider-Man is he's a melancholy hero and I don't think that the kid who's recording himself and laughing about everything in the beginning of Homecoming is the same Peter Parker that we meet in Civil War. I think that's a different character. And to a certain degree, that's fine. It's not a drastic enough change that it would, you know, break that character. But I think it's very important to think that you go from a, a Peter who's, who feels pain, who feels responsibility to one who neither feels that nor is given any reason to. Because in, I mean, in all of these movies, he sees ostensibly one consequence, and that is his own death. For any of his actions, that's the only one that he really faces consequences for. And that's not even really his fault. If he wouldn't have gotten on the the flying donut or whatever i mean the same outcome would have happened it just would have happened sooner because they would have had less help trying to fight thanos so i think i i mean i'm sure somebody could argue that tony's death is a pretty big consequence sure you're to a certain degree you're right but again that's not a direct result of peter's actions peter is one of the least important elements of endgame that really is the original Avengers, it's their story, and it's their victory. It's really not about him. So he's in it, and it's awesome, but it doesn't really further his character or give him something to learn in any really meaningful way. In my opinion, again, I could see someone else making a totally different argument, but in my opinion, I don't think that Peter ever really faces a very drastic consequence for anything that he's done. He has no reason to feel responsibility. And I think, I mean, obviously, they've been so worried to ever repeat that speech in in any of the movies. But responsibility, I mean, that really is, that really encapsulates who Peter Parker is. And it's something that I don't think you should ever change when you're adapting a Spider-Man for any new take. So... All that to say, I think I just read in the mic again. But all of that to say, this movie, this fucking godsend of a piece of shit. Hold on. Hey, sorry, I uh, had to pause the recording. Uh, my dog was just, I don't know, he wasn't happy. But he's hes pretty good now, because we let him out. And the other dog's asleep, so it'll be okay. Anyway... Oh man, I don't even remember what I was talking about. It's, it was actually, I know it's like a second to you, but like, it was actually like maybe a half an hour. Um, I should have just listened back. But, uh, I think I was just talking about the no consequences and how ridiculous it is, his relationship with Tony Stark. So first of all, let's start off as fucking god ding dang Edith. I feel like I've been cursing a lot more this episode. I think this is the pent up rage about this movie. That I've uh, been saving up all day to talk about on this podcast. Uh, I was going to talk about it with my girlfriend. And then I was like, no, i got to save it. I don't want to get tired out. Um, even dead, I'm the hero. 
God, that made me so mad. Not that acronym, just the whole, the whole idea of it. First of all, why? Why, why, why? He has proven himself to be the A, well, not, I was going to say most useless Avenger, but that's probably not true. But he, he's like, he's 16 now, okay? So, because it's, it's been a year since Homecoming. Okay, and first of all, that raises a lot of problems. Because he's virtually still goddamn inept. He gets hit in the head with that bell twice. He can't save that bell tower. He... God, this... Oh my god, now my dog's trying to get back in. What do you want? Make up your mind. Come on, just... Alright, now go lay down. If you mess up my podcast again, I'm going to kill you. I'm just kidding, PETA. I'll just let him out again. I threatened to kill him about daily. He's a little bit rambunctious. Um, Yeah, Peter is so useless. And he's like... He still like barely knows what to do when he gets the new suit, right? The black one. And the fireworks are going off. And like Ned and Betty are on the... Um, they're on the Ferris wheel or whatever. He, um, he makes no impact in that fight. And look, I get it. Mysterio is, um, he's designed it to, so that he's the hero. And I understand that. And like retroactively, it makes more sense. But Peter, Peter, Spider-Man slash Peter should still make an impact on the fight. It should still be that. Or it should be like a situation where you watch back and be like, oh, he, like, made it impossible for Spider-Man to be helpful, or, like, something like that. Like, he knew how powerful Spider-Man was, and that he could take away from Mysterio's spotlight, so he intentionally rigged it so that Peter is useless in the fight. But, um, my dog wants out again. Dude! Right. Literally, get out, and I'm locking you out. Good day, sir. This must be horrible to listen to. I promise no more dog interruptions. Alright. I mean, I don't know. I guess in the grand scheme of things, that's not the worst thing ever. I will say there was one a moment of Spider-Man action that I really did like. Uh, and, and John Watts has clearly gotten a lot more confident helming action sequences since the first one. But I loved when they're in Venice and Peter swings through the house and webs it back together as he goes. That's really cool. That was something that... Maybe younger Peter couldn't have done. But anyway, I just hate that you can't see um, like a logical progression in this character's uh, skill. Especially after being around the Avengers for like a while and having to fight like a literal army of aliens and a mad titan. <sighs> Whatever. Um, yeah, so clearly Peter is not suited to handle this kind of responsibility. Like, he's clearly kind of... Um, not necessarily irrational, but he's bad at following orders. Tony has f- seen that proven many times. Um, he he doesn't do a very good like job of stopping things the first time, which neither do most of the heroes. But his like clearly, it's he's been reprimanded for it, and Tony knows that like he's really not ready for this yet. And I don't understand why he would give like the keys. To this crazy kingdom. To him. Maybe dedicate it to him when he's older. Fine. I don't fucking know. 
it should not be a thing where, hey, I'm dead. Okay, here, immediately have these goddamn super glasses that give you the ability to hack your friend's phones and call in drone strikes. I want to talk about that scene in the bus. Because that scene in the bus was when I knew I fucking hated this movie. So first of all, when he's caught in the room with the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's making him take off his clothes, my jaw was on the floor. I was like the hell was that what why and then the dude takes a picture of him and i was like oh my god this stupid character that has absolutely no bearing on the plot fantastic he's gonna be involved in this but then immediately he's not again it would have been so much more interesting if he got on that bus there was no way to stop him from showing that picture to mj and that's one more wrinkle i said wrinkle again but one more obstacle that's a better word for Peter to overcome in trying to, like, fall in with MJ. Because she thinks, like, uh, no, dude, you're kind of weird. You just hooked up with this random chick in the, in the Alps. Like, that'd be so much more interesting. That'd be so much more... That'd be so... Whoa, my house is shaking. That'd be such better drama, but they totally sidestep it. And instead, you get this almost pointless action beat where Peter has to jump out of the bus. And granted, that's a cool shot. I really like how that's done. But he calls a drone strike on a bus. That's just not Spider-Man to me. Even if he's accidentally doing that, then A, that, I just, I want to, like, take the job of whoever came up with that idea because holy fuck is that a misunderstanding. A chronic misunderstanding of this character. But two, it makes him look extra stupid and it, points out even more why he shouldn't have this. He, here's something I could, I thought would be way, way more interesting. Keep all virtually everything the same. Make it a better movie if something like this happens. Maybe not to this degree, but Peter messes up in some really big way. Like he always does. Like he goddamn always does. And then Nick Fury has to step in and be like, hey, or, or Happy, or Aunt May, or I don't know, someone. Even fucking Ned, I don't care. So they step in, and they're like, clearly you're not ready for this. He believes in you, and he's right to believe in you. You're so, you have the potential for such great things. And you've done really well so far, but clearly you're not ready yet. That was the whole point of the first one. And they step in, and they take it from him, and we'll give this to you when you're ready. So now it's in the hands of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Happy, or, again, Ned. Okay, I probably don't do that. But... It's in the hands of somewhere easily accessible to Mysterio. Mysterio takes it. He doesn't give it to Peter. He takes it. And then it becomes like this sort of rush. And, okay, it's a MacGuffin. It's a little cliched. But they're trying to find these glasses. They're trying... Because they know whoever took this, whoever has this power... Or or even maybe he frames Peter or something. I mean, I know I'm writing a totally different movie here. But... That'd be way more interesting. And then, again, but you could still keep a lot of it the same. It just gives Peter something else to prove. Actually gives him consequences to his actions. You fucked up. It got taken away from you. And because it was taken away from you, it fell into the wrong hands. All of that, your fault. Now, your friends don't trust you. The people who thought were your, you thought were your allies weren't. And then he finds out that it was Quentin that took it from him. And then... That's another thing. So not only does no one trust you, now you don't know who you can trust because 
this new guy who you thought was really cool and was going to really help you out here just betrayed you and now he's trying to kill you and he's using the very thing that Tony thought he could trust you with that's such great drama that's such a better written story and I don't mean to be like high on the smell of my own farts but I mean I just came up with something on the fly that I think in every way solves my biggest problems with this movie it's that Peter Peter never has to do anything for himself in one of my favorite volumes of Ultimate Spider-Man which is my favorite interpretation of Spider-Man ever hands down bar none he finds himself kidnapped by Dr. Octopus all the way to goddamn Brazil, right? And then he has to come home by himself. He has to figure out how to get himself out of this crazy crazy situation. He at first he can rely on the the uh the kindness of one of the pilots who he saved from this whole thing. But to a certain point that only works and then that gets him so far and he has to go to another airport sneak into a suitcase be bound for newark and he he faces consequences for this he's like catching a cold because it's so high up and he's in the cargo hold and um and then he has to try to get out before they like can apprehend him and all the while he's racing against the clock because he knows aunt may's on her way home simultaneously and then when he gets home, he realizes that while he's gone, Gwen Stacy, who blames Peter Parker for the death, or not Peter Parker, but blames Spider-Man for the death of her father, has found out that Peter is Spider-Man. And she he arrives home to her literally pointing a gun at him at the same time. So does Aunt May. So now he's caught in a situation where he has to quickly explain to Gwen that he didn't do this. He has to disarm her and somehow figure out a way for her not to tell Aunt May and then he has to get changed, go meet Aunt May, come up with an excuse for why he didn't hear her, all this stuff. That's so much more interesting, and no one steps in to help him. He had to figure all that out, and look at all the stuff that happened while he was trying to figure that out. And on top of that, he got his tooth pulled out, the shit kicked out of him, and all these people are making this movie about it, and they're profiting from it. And it's just like, it's one of the best things about Peter Parker is his, is his life is basically a marathon of getting kicked in the dick. The worst marathon that there is. I don't know why they hold that one. But he always runs it. And he never stops running it. But this is something Spider-Verse nailed. He always finds a way to get back up. So, if you get rid of this whole thing with him trusting Mysterio after meeting him for like two days... Or not, not even two days. I don't know. He he sees him like twice and immediately thinks, Oh, okay, this doesn't seem like a good, bad idea at all. I'm a 16-year-old super genius, but I'll just be stupid this one time. Durr. If you can get rid of all of that, while, yes, elements of it are cliched, the dramatic opportunities, the structure it opens up is so much better. But no. Instead... We get a real crackerjack of a story where, let's go through all the things that he has directly handed to him. God, I hate this. He's given a suit by S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, fine. That sort of makes sense. I'm fine with that. Then, at the lowest point in this story, and now this is actually the direct reason why I brought up Volume 10, Peter finds himself in Switzerland, I think. I'm pretty sure. I don't really care. He finds himself far away from where he needs to be. And he has to figure out a way to get back. Mm Mm-hmm. 
guess what he does? He calls Happy and everything's fine. And not only that, he just gets a new suit. He gets a he gets a new suit. He gets all this stuff handed to him. He gets a free ride home and he gets new duds and it's it's so it's not interesting. How can I be worried about this when I figure in the next movie he's like happy uh everyone knows my identity and he's like don't worry kid guess what tony built for you well before he died and he like flies up a giant neuralizer from men in black and like wipes the whole world's minds from a satellite or something i don't know i mean it's stupid but i could legitimately see it happen in these movies because Every single time. He's just bailed out by someone. He's bailed out by Nick Fury, or he's bailed out by Happy, or he's bailed out by Tony from beyond the grave. It's it's ridiculous, and I just don't understand why anyone thinks this is an interesting story. At Peter's lowest moment, he's been beat up. He's like, he's crying. He's like losing it. And this, the pressure is clearly getting to him. It's too much. But it doesn't matter because suddenly... Happy's like, oh, you need a suit? Well, here's this thing that Tony left for you because he knew you'd need it. And immediately Tony can fix all his problems even though he's goddamn dead. And the whole point of the first movie, I said I was going to put a pin in it while I'm pulling it out here. It's going to blow up in our faces. The whole point of the first movie, upon rewatch especially, he was... the, The point was... You can't always rely on someone else to solve your problems. Eventually, you're going to have to step up. You've got to be your own man and stop living in their shadow. That was the point. That was the whole lesson that Peter needed to learn. That sometimes that stuff's not going to always be there. If you're nothing out of the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Except for, that's completely abandoned. And it turns out that it doesn't really matter. And this movie teaches him the exact same lesson. You even get... This sort of theme-stated thing where someone, I don't even remember who, was like, you're not going to be Iron Man. I think it was Happy. But you got to be Spider-Man or something like that. But if you wanted to, to summarize the first movie to broad strokes and bullet points, I'd assume that'd be at the end. Is that P- Peter learns he doesn't have to be Iron Man, he has to be Spider-Man. And it's a totally different thing, but it's an important lesson he needed to learn. Ergo, you would assume he takes that into this movie. But no. We circle back around to him learning the exact same thing. And I don't think it's congruous that he's at his lowest moment in the film. He's been beaten up. He's been betrayed. And he's all alone. And he's hurt. He's limping. He's got his back all gashed up. And then... Seconds later, he's smiling while he's building a suit listening to ACDC. Like... Tony did. And then right after that, he's making jokes. Um and like oh, whatever. I don't know. I'm tired of this. I don't I don't know. And I don't even know if I'm making the point well enough that people would agree with me if they listened to this and and didn't have that opinion. I just that sucks. He's like he's just smiling. He's with Michelle, he's smiling, he's kissing her and everything and I don't think that that's not the point of this movie like it's supposed to be him grappling with his place in the world now that the, that the Avengers are disassembled and Tony's gone and, and his place in the world after the snap and but, but that's not really what it's about and at the end it's 
basically he's all the way back where he started. Fantastic. Always a sign of a great story. I, oh God, I just don't understand. I just... I think a large part of this might be that the writers are different. It's not the guys from Freaks and Geeks this time. It's the guys from, who wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp. Another very mediocre sequel that I didn't like very much. Um, and that also has pretty piss-poor characters, if I'm being honest. I mean, speaking of characters, I think that the rest of this movie, the rest of the cast has dealt a pretty shit hand, too. They all turn in really good performances. They're all really funny or really emotional. Whatever the script calls on them to do, they're really good at it. But the problem is, they're not given anything that interesting to do. They're basically all the same characters that they were before. Nothing meaningful has changed for them since the snap. Nothing about Peter's crazy life has really done anything to them. They're all still happy-go-lucky, and and nothing has changed. Aside from the news report at the very beginning of the movie, the snap might as well not have happened. Everything's exactly the same. If you took out that opening scene, and and you just said, hey, before this movie, uh, Iron Man died to someone who had not seen Endgame. No one would skip a beat. They would just think, oh, okay, in between these movies, Iron Man died. And it wouldn't matter how, because it, because aside from one character who's now older, it, it had no real effects. And especially that character is completely useless. I don't even know his name. It's Brad. I bet it's Brad. It's either Brad or Chad. And he's just reduced to a joke. MJ's never really interested in him. He's not legitimately a threat to Peter in any way. And, oh, it's just, oh, God. Um, and Peter and MJ's relationship is not developed very well. I know this isn't Mary Jane, but in the comics, MJ is the love of Peter's life. And fine, if you want to do a different interpretation of that, okay. But Peter suddenly has a crush on her. For no reason, despite the entirety of the first movie, her playing into it in absolutely no way. She's not in Endgame. She's not in Infinity War. It's not like there's even a single line or a single hint that he might have any interest in her. It's not like when MJ says at the end of the first Spider-Man movie about how when I thought I was going to die when I was up there, I thought, man, I really hope I live through this so I can see Peter Parker's face one more time. There's no moment like that. It's not like he's going to die and he knows. And 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 he's like, oh no, all the things. I loved MJ. I never got to say anything to her. And even if he did, that wouldn't have felt earned. That would have felt like, well, that's certainly set up for Far From Home because we haven't seen that explored in any way. It's not like, it's not like something that, that's joked about in this movie, which is Ned and Betty falling in love, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see it, it's not very helpful, but whatever, on the plane, because they learn about each other while they're, you know, they're like sort of both captive audiences in a way, I don't, that's not the right word, but you get what I mean, they're forced to be with each other, so they develop a relationship, it's not something like that, it's not like, hey, we're on this trip together for a long time, we have all this time that we can spend together, and we can talk and learn about each other. And then it's like, oh man, maybe I really do like this girl. And maybe it was wrong of me to always pay, you know, not pay attention to her. And then maybe when they confront each other about it, it's something like, hey, yeah, I mean, it's good that you like me now, but you were sort of an oblivious dick to me before. And then Peter has to kind of be like, 
you know, I'm sorry, you know, kind of pay for that in a certain way. And and maybe that's a way you develop MJ's character. Maybe she's not sure if he feels the same way and she's scared to make a move because of how into Liz he was and how he never reciprocated any feelings towards her. I don't know. I just don't. I didn't really realize this until after the film, and this is driving me crazy now. Why does he like MJ? It doesn't make any sense. He he had no feelings for her in the film before. I mean, even if you're just talking about, like, oh, you're a comic book nerd, not everything's going to be like the comics. You're going to be open to interpretation. Okay, fucking fine, but explain this to me. There's no logical progression. There's no character growth here. He just all of a sudden likes another person for no fucking reason. God... Just beyond that, beyond me, that you would possibly write something like that and not even think about the backstory. You'd not even develop even a remote reason for why he's into her. God, this is so dumb. It's making me really angry the more I talk about it. I thought it would help, but it's not. Oh, but I didn't breathe on the mic. Um, I guess I could talk about a positive of this movie. Um, I like Mysterio. Uh, that exposition scene in the bar was god awful. I would teach that in a film class about how not to write exposition, but I um, I thought it was interesting. I thought his motivation was pretty cool. Uh, I think it's, again, stupid that he really doesn't hate Peter for any real reason. He's just kind of killing him because he's getting in his way, I guess. But again, it's all linked to Tony. Whatever. That worked for the Vulture, but that's kind of a one-trick pony. It's interesting to see all those characters from older movies back in villainous roles, but that was the worst way to show that. Um, the sequence where he's in the warehouse in Berlin, admittedly, that was really cool. Um, that had a lot of visual flair to it, and I was excited to see that. It it made me really happy. That was, like, a sequence in Doctor Strange where he gets knocked through those different dimensions. It's really interesting. It's a comic come to life, and that's a big part of why you'd want to go see a movie like this. That was awesome. That actually was a genuine highlight for me, even in the theater. Aside from that, though, I I didn't really find the final battle all that interesting. I thought, mm, I mean, I thought it was it was cool to see him in the new suit. It was cool to see him kind of advancing his technique. It's cool to see John Watts be a little more creative with the action and and everything. But at the end of the day, I think it was built on a, I think it was a really cool penthouse built on a really poor foundation. And at a certain point, a storm's going to come through and knock that whole shit down. Um, oh man, there's something. Okay, I guess I might as well talk about the post credit scene. Um, actually, real quick, before I do, the whole thing, the new suit looked awesome when it's not being painted over with CG, as did the red and blue one. They all do. Well, except for the iron... Well, yeah, no, even the iron spider one. It looks so much better when he's just standing around in it than it does when he's actually, like, swinging and stuff, but... 
whatever. Um, I don't understand why you'd want to change that in any way. Like, make it, like, digitally enhance it. It doesn't add to it. It makes it look worse. I mean, whatever. I don't even care. That's such a nitpick, but, I mean, little stuff really adds up. Um, but big stuff. Let's talk about more big stuff. The post credit scene, mid credit scene, really, has obviously been a definite highlight of for people who like this movie. I, um, man, I, it's interesting. It's a very classic Spider-Man story. I can almost write it in my head now. You're accused of murder and suddenly everyone knows who you are. You're a target. But I, like I said, I feel like it's more likely that that giant neuralizer in space thing is going to happen than for these, than for this to have actual consequences. And I'm not excited for that. I don't think it's going to be very interesting. And, I mean, even everything that leads up to it, the final swing, There's it's been a little while since there's been one. There's not one in Amazing Spider-Man 2. And there's not one in Spider-Man Homecoming. But this is clearly trying to be something like Spider-Man or Spider-Man 2, and it really fails epically at it. The way it starts, it... it sort of subverts your expectations by making you think it's going to be some sentimental narration of Peter talking about how he's learned and grown, and then it's just him talking about, like, are you guys dating? And you're like, no, yes, I mean, I don't, bruh. and he's like, I got a date, I'm gonna leave, and then he just runs off, that's perfect end to this movie. And it's, again, all the way back to the way it was when it started. He's a little less depressed, but other than that, he's still happy-go-lucky. And it's it's just disappointing to see that. Um, the whole don't text and swing thing, I mean, that's kind of cute, but... Oh my god, he takes a selfie? God, that was so stupid. Um, but yeah, I... Just, there's nothing meaningful about it. It's not interesting that after being beat up and being betrayed and having this crazy experience, that A, Aunt May is still totally fine, and B, that Peter has really shown no difference. I mean, despite all the stuff that it seems he's learned about being himself and about being your own man and, and living up to Iron Man and whatever... It seems like he's acting exactly the same way as he did before even the first movie. So, fine. I don't fucking care. And then J.K. Simmons is there. That's cool. I'm I'm happy about that. That didn't make me really excited. Um, And yeah, it's really cool that everyone knows now. But And I think, again, it's a really interesting direction to go. Like when Aunt May found out at the end of the last one. It's an interesting direction. And so is this, but I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be done justice. I really, really don't. I would absolutely kill for a third Spider-Man movie where Happy's not in it, Tony's not mentioned, and it's as separate from the rest of the Marvel Universe as the original three Spider-Man movies are. But I know that's, a, I know that's not going to happen, and that's fine. I Clearly, that's not their interpretation of this character, and I guess I'm just going to have to live with that. I'm going to go read 
Spider-Man Blue and watch Into the Spider-Verse again because I need some good Spider-Man stories. And that's fine. Whatever. Ask me this. Last year, I would have said you were crazy if you thought that I wasn't going to be ranting about the second movie on a podcast. I've been like, are you kidding me? Of course it's going to be amazing, but it's not. And I, Man, it, it sucks to say that, but... Oh yeah, Nick Fury's this girl. I don't give a shit. Um, I feel like there's more I wanted to say, but I really think I said my piece. I rewrote the movie. I explained my grievances about Peter facing absolutely no consequences, absolutely no consequences, and always being bailed out. And I think they should stop placing such an emphasis on Iron Man. Maybe actually say Uncle Ben's name. Maybe actually address Peter's money troubles. Maybe actually paint him as an outcast, aside from Flash saying some snarky comments about him every once in a while. Yeah. We'll see how the third one turns out, I guess. At least it's not going to be the Sinister Six. That's good. I know there were a lot of rumors that that's what the suit's building to, but it's fine with me that it doesn't. If he gets another suit in the next movie, I'm going to lose it. Um, but yeah, I think that I have just done a complete 180 on this iteration of Spider-Man, and that's fine. I guess I'm just going to be a curmudgeon-y old man who wants everything to be traditionalist, but so be it. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. This is how I feel. I feel like this is a pretty big disservice and, uh, definite disappointment and I really hope that the third one is a lot better but as of right now I I don't have high hopes alrighty so I was gonna go I was gonna record an episode about um or no I'm sorry I was gonna have a segment of this episode about Stranger Things season 3 uh, but I don't think that I actually am going to do that now. This episode has run about an hour now. And um, I don't know if you really want to listen to this for 90 minutes. I think that might be pushing it. So I'll do a shorter episode tomorrow about um, about Stranger Things Season 3. And I guess briefly my thoughts on 1 and 2. Uh, I know, yeah, I'll release that tomorrow. And then I'm thinking about in a little bit doing some episodes about comics and... Um, Trying to, trying to do a little less movies. I know I've been mostly doing movies. Um, I might be talking about Spider-Man Blue. Um, or... Um, Saga. Or Paper Girls. I'm about done with my reread of that. Because it's a lot shorter than Saga. Uh, yeah, I might talk, be talking about my favorite comics. I might experiment. Try like a movie commentary or something. But... We'll see. Um... For right now, I don't feel good. I don't feel so good. Uh huh. Ah oh, man, see that sucks. It sucks how hard they commit to that, and it sucks that Tom Holland has poured his heart and soul into this character, and I, I just don't feel like they've been rewarding him for it by writing him well. But um, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see how the next couple of episodes shake out. Um, I'm thinking definitely tomorrow though I'll release Stranger Things season three. Oh, I wish I could. I wish there was a way to not end this on such a downer of a note. But I'm just getting more and more dreary the more I listen to or 
more listen to myself, but the more I talk about it. The uh, super rainy weather probably doesn't really help. It's gray and wet and stormy and just generally unpleasant. It's fine, I guess. It matches my mood. Alright, I don't really have a question. Did you like Spider-Man 4 from home? What's your favorite version of Spider-Man? Um, hit me up on Instagram, GiovanniAndrewLA21. Uh, and, uh, yeah, rate the show, like it, follow it, subscribe, whatever. We're available everywhere except for Apple Podcasts at the moment because, um, my, uh, my RSS provider said we're in contact with, you know, I don't know, this list of different pod, uh, podcatchers. And, um, I said it could take, what is it? I think it was one, no, it was four days to four weeks or something like that. Um, to get approval from all of them. I got approval from all of them except for Apple. So, uh, we'll see if I get that. It might take a while, but we'll see. Alrighty. Well, thanks for listening. I don't really care if you agreed, but yeah. Bye. Don't get bitten by a radioactive spider.